SEP Fanfic Readings presents A Thousand Words by Olive Juice 28 Chapter 7 Giving and Receiving The last few weeks of August found both Harry and Hermione rather busy. Harry was continuing with oral training, along with whatever task Kingsley set him, and Hermione with further upgrades to Grimmauld Place, and preparations for her return to Hogwarts. She had decided to start with the rooms that were most used— with the drawing-room and the kitchen fully functional, she moved on to the rooms on the third floor. It took her a full week to clean and transfigure the three bedrooms, full bath, and the large closet at the end of the hall. The walk-in linen cupboard had clearly been left to rot since before Sirius had moved out, and she had uncovered two doxy nests, multiple skeletons from small rodents, and what appeared to be the rest of a house-elf heads that hadn't made it to the wall along the stairs. That discovery had sent her shrieking down to the kitchen where Creature had to fetch a very strong cup of tea, and had even managed to pat her awkwardly on the knee as she sat there shaking. He offered to help her with whatever she was doing, but she didn't feel right letting him see the remains of what could possibly be members of his family. After gulping her tea, she had sucked in a fortifying breath and staunchly marched back up the stairs, flung open the closet door, and vanished everything in front of her without even looking at it. There was a distinct possibility that Spell had also removed a very old tapestry with the Black family crest on it, but she didn't think Harry would care, and she decided she would never mention it to Creature. Harry was gone most days, usually coming home shortly before dinner. On several occasions they were joined by Ron and Ginny, filling the house with boisterous laughter and friendly banter. One night, as the four of them were gathered in the newly redecorated drawing-room, Harry mentioned a recent trip to Malfoy Manor. "'You still have to go every week?' Ron asked, looking rather put off by the idea. Harry shrugged. Yeah, I think I'll be checking in with both of them until their probation is up, unless they put someone else on it. But that's years, Harry, protested Ron. Harry chuckled at the look of genuine horror on his best friend's face, and Ginny leaned over and smacked her brother on the arm. Be nice, Ronald. But seriously, Ron looked wide-eyed between the couple, and then at Hermione in hopes that she'd support him. How can you stand going there, after everything that happened? He finished in disbelief, as if there was nothing more that needed to be said for the others to understand what he meant. Harry shot a glance in Hermione's direction, but she was studiously tracing the embroidered pattern on the throw pillows in her lap. "'It's really fine, Ron,' and held up his hand to stall his friend before Ron could start ranting again. "'Narcissa has been nothing but nice to me, and Malfoy isn't nearly as much of a prat as he used to be. You saw him that day at the shop. You can't say he wasn't decent to you. He even thanked you. It's not like we hang out in the room where it all went down.' "'He's all right,' Harry trailed off, seeing the glazed look come over Ron's face and realizing he wasn't going to get much further convincing him tonight. Ron shook his head, again looking to Hermione for allegiance, but she was now looking at Harry with a thoughtful expression. "'I know, I know,' Ron said, still looking dumbfounded. "'But just... just be careful. Malfoy might not be hexing you in the hallway, and I accepted his thanks, but I wouldn't trust him with my garden gnomes, much less anything else. He's just on good behavior right now because they released him.' "'What's that muggle saying, Hermione?' She looked at him now, cocking her head in question. "'You know,' he continued flapping his hands at her. "'Cheetah's having spots or something.' Hermione laughed, as did Harry a second later, as he caught on to what Ron was trying to say. "'You mean a leopard can't change his spots?' she provided. "'Yeah!' Ron snapped his fingers. "'That's the one. "'Although, in this case, I'd say the snake can't change the scales.' His eyes narrowed. "'I mean it, Harry. Be careful.' Ginny sighed dramatically and rolled her eyes. "'Yes, yes, Ronald, thank you for your concern. I'm pretty sure Harry can handle himself being around big, bad, scaly Malfoy.' She stretched and stood up, signaling an ed to the evening. Ron threw his hands up in surrender. 
Fine, fine, I'll quit. It's just, you know, habit. He grimaced sheepishly and hoisted himself off the couch. Harry snorted and stood up next to Ginny, taking her hand and leading her to the fireplace. Ron and Hermione faced each other, both feeling slightly awkward as the young couple spoke in low tones in front of the fireplace. Ron stuffed his hands into his pockets, and Hermione wrapped her arms around herself and looked down at her feet. So, I'll see you around then, yeah? Ron asked her. Of course, she smiled up at him. You need to come back over to the shop and see all the new displays. It's still slow going, but George is doing a bit better. I like that, she nodded. I'll try to pop over before I head back to school. Ron grinned and bumped his shoulder into hers in a friendly gesture. Good night, then. And he followed his sister through the bright green flames. Shortly after Draco's conversation with her, Narcissa had contacted the artist responsible for most of the portraits hanging in the halls of Malfoy Manor. The spindly yet very expensive man had assured her he could have the commissioned work completed in just about a week, if she would please give him a picture or likeness of the subject. At this, Narcissa had blanched. Of course, she had no pictures of Fred Weasley, and wasn't sure where to go about getting one without word getting out of what Draco was doing. Thankfully, Harry was due for tea that afternoon, and over the course of scones and biscuits, Draco and his mother explained to their ministry official friend exactly what they had planned, and asked him for help. Harry digested the news with obvious emotion, and had to restart his response several times before he could get the words out without tearing up. "'Malfoy, this is incredible!' Green Eyes pierced Grey One sincerely. "'You have no idea. Yes, I can definitely help you. Give me just a moment.' He had immediately rushed out of the room, leaving mother and son to stare bemusedly at each other. After sitting in thoughtful silence for several minutes, the elegant witch spoke. "'I'm glad he thinks it will go well,' started Narcissa, but she was cut short as Harry came bustling back towards them, several items in his hands. He moved his teacup and a plate of half-finished biscuits to the side, and spread the articles he had brought out for them to see. There were several photographs of Harry with various members of the Weasley family, in the stands at the Quidditch World Cup in front of a brightly lit Christmas tree, hanging around the front garden of the burrow. There was a picture of the whole family at Bill and Fleur's wedding, and another one just of Fred and George the night of the Yule Ball. Lastly, there was the picture of Fred the Daily Prophet had used when the names of those who died in the battle had been released. "'Will these work?' Harry asked. "'I'm sure they will,' replied Narcissa, wiping her eyes with her napkin as she took in the vivacious redhead, whose life had been snuffed out far too soon." She might not have ever been on friendly terms with any of the Weasleys, but as a mother she could not imagine losing her son. It was the main reason she was so supportive of this idea of Draco's, to try to give the family back at least a small piece of their young man. "'Right then,' Harry smiled. "'You can give these to the artist for as long as he needs, but then I'd like them back.' "'Of course,' Narcissa agreed, and Draco nodded. He too had been struck once again by the finality of death, and the tremendous loss the past year had burdened them all with— Seeing Fred's face in front of him like this had reinforced his idea and had given him a sense of purpose. The following week, Draco asked Harry to arrange for the Weasley family to gather at the joke shop. Harry had told him that Ron and George were almost ready to reopen, and he wanted the portrait to be delivered before then. Now that the day was upon him, he was unaccountably nervous. He wasn't exactly sure why. It wasn't like he had done the painting himself— but he supposed he just really wanted the gesture to convey a lot of things he couldn't put into words. The artist had hung the portrait on the empty space of the wall of the shop, but had left it covered with a dark purple cloth, which matched rather well with the store's interior. Harry had been tasked with getting the Weasleys to agree to meet him there, which everyone except Bill and Charlie were able to manage. Draco and his mother were waiting in the stockroom, listening to the family as they gathered in front of the store. 
Harry, what's this all about? asked Arthur. Yes, dear. Is anything the matter? Molly looked worried. No, no, Harry assured her. Everything is fine. There's just something I'd like to show all of you. I'm here, announced Percy as he entered the shop, glancing around to see who else had arrived. We're still waiting on George and Ron, said Ginny. The front door opened again a second later, and Ron greeted the others. So, what's up? I'm supposed to meet Katie when she gets off in a bit. Don't worry, this won't take long. As Harry spoke, George exited the office, wiping ash from his trousers and approaching his family with a wary look on his face. Not wanting to delay any further, Harry called for attention. Right. Thank you all for meeting me here. I know it was an odd request. He grinned as they all nodded or chuckled in agreement. His voice lowered slightly as he continued, and though his smile faded, the love he held for every person standing around him was clearly evident. I know that these last three months have been extremely hard on all of you, he began. Immediately, Draco could see understanding dawning on each face. Molly dug a handkerchief out of her pocket, and Arthur wrapped his arm around her. Harry cleared his throat and continued. While I know that nothing will ever replace Fred, some of us were hoping that maybe a bit of him could be returned to you, in some small way. At this, he gestured to the object on the wall. He walked over and gently tugged the corner of the fabric, causing it to slide off and reveal a life-size image of Fred Weasley sitting in an overstuffed chair, wearing one of his mother's hand-knitted jumpers with a giant F on it. At first, he had been resting his head on his hand, which was propped up by the elbow on the armrest, but as the drape had been removed, he had slowly woken up and began to take in the sight of his family before him. Molly immediately burst into sobs, clinging to Arthur as if her knees were about to give way. Ginny had silent tears coursing down her cheeks, and she leaned into Harry's side when he came back over to her. Ron and Percy were both staring, open-mouthed, eyes overly bright. But George, after a moment of stunned disbelief, had walked over to stand directly in front of the portrait. Without a word, he reached out his hand and placed his palm flat on the top of where Fred had stretched out his own. He stood there, his head bowed and shoulders shaking. Draco watched the entire scene unfold as his heart constricted and a lump the size of a snitch grew in his throat. His eyes burned, and as he agitatedly wiped the back of his hand across them, he heard his mother sniff quietly beside him. He turned to see tears making their way down their face as she, too, observed the family. "'How?' began Arthur in a choked whisper, looking imploringly at Harry, who was almost as emotional as the rest of them. "'It wasn't me,' said Harry, looking past Arthur to where he saw Draco and Narcissa in the doorway of the stockroom. He nodded, encouraging them to come forward. They did so, reluctantly, and paused several feet away from the Weasleys. Ron's face drained of color as he stared at Draco. He looked back at his best friend, who nodded in unspoken explanation. At that, he crossed the shop at several long strides, stopping just inches away from his longtime enemy. His lips were trembling, tears spilling over his lashes, his hands both clenched in fists. For a split second, Draco was wondering if Ron was going to punch him, but instead he was wrapped in a rib-crushing hug. It only lasted about two seconds, but it said all the youngest Weasley son needed to. When he released Draco, he took a step back, nodded once, and then went to stand next to George, flinging his arms around his brother's shoulders. Ginny approached Draco next, her gaze roving across his face as if looking for answers to her unspoken questions. She clasped one of his hands in both of her own, looked deep into his eyes, and whispered a shaky, "'Thank you,' before standing on tiptoe to kiss his cheek. She smiled tremulously at Narcissa, and then she too went to stand with George." 
Molly had just broken away from Arthur, and was now only realizing the Malfoys were in the room. Her stunned expression flitted between mother and son, before resting on Narcissa, who was looking both very nervous and very tearful herself. Molly closed the distance between the two women and wrapped her arms around Narcissa in one of her famous all-encompassing hugs, both of them quietly crying into each other's shoulders. Arthur had taken off his glasses to wipe his face, and then turned to Draco. He clapped a hand on the younger man's back and shook his head. "'I can't tell you,' he began thickly. "'This means so, so very much.' He couldn't continue, but instead gave Draco a somewhat awkward one-armed hug before joining the growing group in front of the portrait. Percy collected himself, walked briskly over to Draco, and offered his hand. "'Thank you, Malfoy.' He cleared his throat, his eyes still glassy. This is quite unexpected, and very, well, very kind of you. He seemed to have difficulty finding the right words, but Draco understood and shook Percy's hand, and simply said, You're welcome. Molly and Narcissa had broken apart, but were still engaged in quiet conversation. Molly was grasping Narcissa's hands in her own, clearly adamant about what she was saying to the other witch. Narcissa was looking down at the floor. But Molly tugged on her hands, and she met the red-haired woman's eyes and gave her a small, close-lipped smile. Molly gave her another quick hug, and then turned to Draco. He braced himself for what he knew was coming, and sure enough, he was immediately engulfed in her embrace. He heard her choke back a sob, and when she released him, she cupped the side of his face with her hand and pierced him with a stern, motherly gaze. "'Thank you,' she said in a quavering voice. "'You've done a wonderful thing here, young man.' You've given Fred back to us. She pressed her trembling lips together for a second. You're a part of our family now, and I hope you know that. Without waiting for a reply, she hugged him again, and then went to join the rest of her loved ones who were all holding audience with Fred. Harry then came up to Draco and Narcissa, a smile on his face even though his eyes were red. I think that went brilliantly. Draco nodded, and Narcissa hummed in response, both of them still feeling rather overwhelmed by the whole event especially the Weasley's reception of them. "'Whenever you're ready to go, we can flew back to the manor,' Harry began, but was cut off by the appearance of George at his side. George looked first at Draco, and then at Narcissa. Wordlessly, he extended a hand to each of them, which they took. He looked at each of them a second time, opened his mouth as if to speak, but closed it again. He looked down at the floor and shook his head, his grip on each of their hands tightening. Narcissa stepped closer to him, and wrapped one arm around his back, letting him rest his forehead on her shoulder. His body racked with sobs again, and Draco felt the tears he'd been holding back the entire time begin to escape. He clasped George's hand just as tightly and took a step closer to the grieving twin. George lifted his head from Narcissa's shoulder and met Draco's eyes with his own. The pain in them was incredibly deep, yet there was hope flickering there as well. For the third time that day, Draco found himself being fiercely hugged by a Weasley, but this time he felt he was the one who needed it. Taking deep, shuddering breaths, trying to steady himself, he clung to the back of George's shirt like a lifeline. After a few moments, they stepped apart. George extended a hand and managed a hoarse, "'Thanks, Malfoy,' which Draco accepted with a nod and a firm handshake. He then offered the same to Narcissa, who also seemed unable to speak at the moment. As George made his way back to his family, Fred's portress called out to him, "'Oi, Malfoy!' Draco, slightly stunned, took a few steps towards the painting, a questioning look on his face. "'Just wanted to say thanks,' Fred grinned. "'Don't be a stranger, yeah?' "'Yeah,' nodded Draco, a small smile playing at the corners of his mouth. 
I'll be back. Well, good, continued the cheeky jokester, since, you know, I'll just be hanging around. This quip was met with good-natured groans and mild chuckles, and a more buoyant tone seemed to spread over the group behind the counter. Drago turned back to Harry, who was still smiling with his mother, asking if she was ready to go, which she was. The trio quietly headed for the flu in the office, leaving the Weasleys to continue their time together.